Trusted advisors, I think, play an important role in broadening the definition of wealth, just like we talked about, and helping their clients think more holistically about family wealth. They can be brokers of trust between the generations that, and then encourage the conversations that need to be had. Welcome to the Wealth Experience Podcast. From big picture planning strategies to developing market trends, we bring light to a range of important matters so you can build your wealth with confidence. Brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. Hello, and thanks for joining us today. Traditionally, planning for a family wealth transfer involves only the holders of that wealth, most often the parents and their trusted advisors. But when it comes to millennials, that traditional approach may not be so effective. In today's episode, Ruth Steverlink and Dina Chochinov lay out strategies for planning with millennials rather than for millennials. As you're about to discover, it's an approach that's likely to achieve far greater success. Ruth Steverlink is a principal and co-founder of Your Family Enterprise Advisors. Dina Chochinov is a family enterprise advisor. Both are based in Vancouver. Well, welcome, Dina. It's so lovely to be sitting down here chatting with you today. And we're talking about a topic um, that's actually very close to my heart. I have uh, six millennial nieces and my son is a millennial. Interestingly, when I googled um, what a millennial is, you get like 10 different answers. So for the purposes of our session today, we're defining millennials as those that were born between 1981 and the year 2000. And Dina, what our listeners can't see is what we look like, but we're definitely not millennials. <laughs> we grew up as fabulous as you were looking. Um, you. We're definitely not of the millennial area. We, we grew up in a completely different time, socially, economically, politically. I think our lives have been shaped by very different experiences. And so the purpose of our session today is to really talk about this group, this generation of millennials and figure out how we can engage them and mm-hmm. why we should engage them. Before we go any further, though, I think we need to first understand this generation. So what is it that we know about this generation, the millennials? Mm -hmm. Well, Ruth, as you said, each generation is defined by the social and economic environment that shapes their life experience. And millennials aren't any exception to that rule. They have typically grown up, and here we're talking about North American millennials, in quite a highly protected environment, an era of increasing safety measures and near constant supervision. The children of helicopter parents who work hard um, and with the best of intentions do all they can to protect their kids from life's hardships and shelter them from disappointments. A society where everyone is a winner. You know, you know that so resonates for me, Dina, because my son, as I mentioned, is a millennial. He falls into that generation. And I remember being so shocked when he was little. He'd missed nine out of his 10 soccer practices and uh, he still got a trophy. And I went to the coach and I said to the coach, are you kidding? Like, I don't want my son to be rewarded for not showing up. And the coach's response was, everyone gets treated the same and everyone gets a trophy. So very much what you were saying. Exactly. That is a very typical example of the environment millennials have grown up in. But, you know, one of the upsides or a positive consequence is that this is a generation of collaborators characterized by their very strong team orientation and in the sharing of victories rather than in the grabbing of them. 
So yes, everyone is a winner. This generation typically favors egalitarian ways over autocracies. It's about fairness and justice for them. They are oriented towards working together and working together to be of service. They want to be part of something big, something that has meaning and purpose. In Canada, we call millennials the heart generation. Isn't that, Aww, isn't that beautiful? So they show high tolerance for and acceptance of diversity and embrace learning and increasing their knowledge in every way they can. Wow, I love them more and more, the heart <laughs> generation. That's, that's a wonderful way of capturing them. So, Dina, this, this podcast is about the wealth experience. So I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about how knowing and understanding the millennial generation might impact planning around wealth transition. In my experience, most wealth creators, so our generation and above, they don't necessarily share these types of collaborative, let's work together values. And in fact, again, just in my experience, I can't speak for others, but a lot of the wealth creators I come across, when they do plan for a transition, very well-intentioned, but they favor a closed, non-transparent approach. So typically they go to their lawyer, they convey a set of facts, they provide instructions based on those facts, and then ta-da, the planning is done and it's locked away, never to be talked about. Um, I'm guessing from what you've said about the team orientation of the millennial generation, the, the need to be part of something big, the desire to be of service, the desire to learn, that this is not an approach that might be optimal for millennials. Mm -hmm. So Ruth, here's what I've learned over years of working with millennials and their families. Because of the way millennials have typically been raised, this is actually a generation that has more in line with their parents' values than one would think. They crave inclusion, especially on matters that will affect them. And for the most part, their contributions and efforts will be integral to the successful execution of the wealth planning. So excluding millennials is, in my view, a big missed opportunity. They want to be in the know. As I said, being part of something that matters is key for millennials. And this means a more open and collaborative planning process. Hmm. You know, Dita, I hear you, but I can hear wealth creators sort of saying, you know what, there's no way that my kids are ready to be part of this process. There's no way that I'm going to start disclosing how much money our family has. They're just not prepared. They're not ready for that. Uh, I agree. So listen, this generation can be slightly impatient in their need and their desire for inclusion. And I've certainly run into millennials who tend to think they're totally ready and absolutely able to participate in decision-making about the future of the business, the future of the investments, when they actually aren't, at least not from the get-go. But they still need to be included. So it's up to the parents to create appropriate boundaries, like a safe container around how, when, and what participation can look like, and then set some rules of engagement right up front so expectations of the millennial generation are clearly defined and can be incrementally increased over time. Mm. You know, Dina, this reminds me of a quote I once saw that I really loved. Um, it was in a different context, but um, it was it was something like, plans that are about us but do not include us are not for us. Mm -hmm. 
And that seems to be very aligned with the millennial mindset. So mm. I, I like this idea that we would plan with our family rather than for our family, mm-hmm. which would be that distinction from the traditional approach. But here's what I know. Most of us are hardwired not to think about death and loss and certainly not to want to talk about it. And th- thinking about death is hard enough. Mm-hmm. Having planning conversations with your own children when you're confronting these issues of death, I mean, really, it's a big leap. It is. But so... I think the most important work that families can do is to actually broaden their definition of wealth. Mm. If wealth equals money, then the conversation becomes, "Uh oh, what happens to my parents' money when they die? And chances are not many families are going to want to have that kind of conversation. On either generation. Nobody wants to have that conversation. So the solution then is to change how we define wealth. It starts by families asking themselves some pretty important questions like, so what do we stand for? Who are we as individuals? What are our values, our shared hopes and dreams that guide us in life? And suddenly, the conversation becomes deeper and more engaging that stimulates both a need and a purpose to discuss wealth between Mm -hmm. the generations. So families can follow this framework of what's called the five capitals. The first is human capital or wealth. That's the family's values, their ethics, how they live their relationships, how they grow as people. The second is intellectual capital. That's the wealth of knowledge the family has to share in the form of mentoring and coaching the next generation to spread that capital around. The third is spiritual capital. That's the family's shared vision and purpose that makes them unique and special and cements their connections with each other. The fourth is their social capital. So what impact do they want to have external to their family? And finally, the capital that everybody seems to know so much about is the financial capital or wealth. These are the assets and the financial literacy that the family members have about those assets. So as you can see, families are wealthy in so many different ways. Wow, I really like that. So it's not that financial capital is not important. It's just one piece of many other capitals that make up the wealth of a family. So by broadening the definition of wealth and family wealth being about so much more than just the financial wealth... It sounds like you're going to be able to overcome the challenge of those tough conversations around the future. Mm -hmm. And you can create a platform for engaging a generation that needs, wants, almost demands to be included because those are conversations that people do want to have. What is it that we know as a family? What's important to us? What is the impact we want to have Mm -hmm. external to ourselves socially? Mm -hmm. I I really like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think we understand the importance of planning with rather than for, particularly for the millennial generation. We understand now that conversations around wealth are about so much more than just the financial resources of the family. But I'm still not sure how families get started. What are some tangible, concrete things that our listeners can do and lead this podcast and implement around starting the conversation about the family wealth? Okay, so let's see. Well, first off, 
Families can seek out the expertise and support of their trusted advisors. Trusted advisors, I think, play an important role in broadening the definition of wealth, just like we talked about, and helping their clients think more holistically about family wealth. They can be brokers of trust between the generations that, and then encourage the conversations that need to be had. So advisors are also in a unique position to bring together the two generations in meetings about a family's assets, which addresses millennials' very strong desire to both learn and be included. And advisors can help normalize engaged involvement of the next gen. Another thing, another tool is to hold family meetings. Family meetings work best when they are constructed to ensure that all members are included. Otherwise, you know, the purpose of getting the family together may be defeated. The family can start to invest in their five capitals by asking questions like, what are our shared hopes and dreams? How can we perpetuate the values that we share? What are we doing to support each of our family members to realize their hopes and dreams? What are the family stories that we want to get out there? What skills and knowledge do we as a family need in order to be able to live well with the financial wealth we are blessed with? And what impact do we want to have in our community, in our country, in our world? So these are the kinds of very powerful wow. conversations that can take place at family meetings. I love that because I think um, when it's just about money, people don't want to show up for those meetings. No. They'll maybe show up for a couple and then it's just... It's uncomfortable and it's scary. Yeah. This is much more engaging and connecting right. between, between family members. Another thing... Um, how about engaging in family learning? Mm. So going to a conference together as a family or, or attending an event, there's an organization that's called Family Enterprise Exchange that has great events for families and business, families who are wealthy, they, they can be a wonderful starting point. So by learning together with other like-minded individuals, families can find a common language, what, what I think of as a kind of shared wealth vocabulary. Mm. to increase the chances that those very needed conversations can actually happen. What I love about that is that family learning isn't necessarily about us. It's about a sort of objective information. It normalizes situations. Mm -hmm. You hear that other people are going through mm -hmm. similar types of scenarios. Mm -hmm. It helps. It helps because a lot of families of wealth think that they're alone right. and that they're dealing with these issues all by themselves. And this creates a community of shared experience and it calms people down. It makes them understand that they're part of something. Right. right. I really like that. Um, Another thing that, pe that families can do is to embrace philanthropy. Millennials are, as we said, purpose-hungry. They share a passion for meaning. So what better way to engage such a generation than invite them into discussions around family giving? Mm. This involvement can start at a really young age and serve as, I think, a terrific platform for fostering the skills, the knowledge, and expertise needed to live well with wealth, generally speaking. So a sort of starting point for for engaging millennials might be rather, what are you getting? What are we going to give? Yes, and even when kids are young, here's an example. Families with young kids who give them an allowance can set some simple guidelines like, you got an allowance, spend a third, 
save a third and choose a cause that matters to you and give it a third. Mm. So the result is creating values-based philanthropists who are also learning how to be accountable and responsible with their wealth rather than entitled and laissez-faire with their privilege. Mm. And finally, I think it's important for families to seek help. You know, people go to great lengths to seek help and guidance in creating and protecting their wealth. And yet, when it comes to passing on wealth and matters of the heart, people often choose avoidance rather than guidance. Mm. So I think it's so important to think of your loved ones, your children and your families, and get the help you need to help them understand where you're coming from and what you can all do together. Mm. As you say, I mean, people are so happy to get advice on how to create wealth, how to protect it, how to preserve it. But often what matters to the most is their family, and that's the one area they're not willing to invest time mm-hmm. and financial mm-hmm. resources in supporting. So, mm-hmm. so I, I just want to capture what you just said. So five ways that people can get started is, first of all, rely on your trusted advisors. I think most of our listeners will have people that they trust in their mm-hmm. lives who help and guide them in different areas. They can be really pivotal in engaging the next generation Um, the concept of family meetings Mm -hmm. which are by nature inclusive they are by nature everyone has a voice Um, and I just love this five capital so it's money is one part but there's all this other all these other pieces that make up what enriches a family Um, so the family meeting would be around investing in those then the idea of engaging in family learning together embracing philanthropy which is a beautiful way to as a platform for engaging millennials And then don't be scared to ask for help and actually seek it as you would for any other area of your wealth Mm -hmm. and protection and preservation. Well, thank you. Um, I really have found this very helpful. My big takeaways from our conversation are... um, if we want to transition wealth well, we it's it's hard work and it's heart work for that heart generation. That's right. And that planning mm-hmm. for millennials rather than with them is actually missing a huge opportunity. And um, and I think the last thing is it's okay to ask for help because this is not easy work, right? Well, nobody um, gets through this without support. And if the families don't have what they need to be able to have those conversations, there's lots of support out there to to um, move forward incrementally, one step at a time. Families don't have to jump into this right away because it's it's hard. So one meeting at a time, one learning experience at a time, one conversation at a time. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Dina. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. My thank pleasure. You. Thank you so much for having me. That was Ruth Steverlink and Dina Chochinov sharing strategies for planning a successful wealth transfer side-by-side with today's millennials. I want to thank Ruth and Dina for joining us on The Wealth Experience. I also want to thank all of you for listening. If you discovered something you'd like to learn more about, we encourage you to carry on the conversation with your email wealth management advisor or relationship manager. You can find additional resources for this episode at www.bemo.com slash the wealth experience. For more about Ruth, visit www.yourfamilyenterprise.com. For more about Dina, visit www.dinachochinoff.com. That's D-E-E-N-A-C-H-O-C-H-I-N-O-V.com. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to us on your preferred streaming platform. And don't forget to share this podcast with family, friends, and colleagues. If you have feedback on this content or suggestions for future episodes, email us at thewealthexperience at bemo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, enjoy your wealth experience. You've been listening to the Wealth Experience Podcast brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. The comments included in this podcast are general in nature and are not legal, tax, or accounting advice. Professional advice should be obtained for your specific circumstances. BMO Wealth Management is the brand name for a business group consisting of Bank of Montreal and certain of its affiliates in providing wealth management products and services. BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated is a member of the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.